Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. Let's bring her out. The star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. I'm so excited. Do you know how excited I am? I am actually sincerely excited. Oh my God! And you know I don't lie because you've known me long enough to know I don't have to. <laughs> you know, girls have energy. We're from Jersey. We don't lie. Okay. Uh, Jersey don't got time. Yeah. Uh, Mary Sue and Zayed. Yeah. Okay. First of all, I have been dying to have you on forever. I love you. You're hilarious. You're one of a kind. And I love your story and you're a Jersey girl. And so thank you so much for being on Kill Me Now. Woo! Yeah, Kill Me Now. Yeah. I love that you love me because when I was a little comic, you were like a huge idol. And I've never actually been able to tell if you like me or if you're like, why is she here? Because you kind of have a neutral face except for what it's doing right now. And so I'm really excited <laughs> that you love me because I've always been like, Judy's so cool. I wonder if I can sit with her. And okay, like, it's so I'm funny. Home. I have another set. Bye. 
I'm so into my work, you know, that I just like, I just want to do the work. But <laughs> I, it's so funny that people are like, think I'm cool because I'm so not cool. But, um, no comedian uh, is really cool. We wouldn't have become comics if we were yeah, cool. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. You know, some of them are not that cool. Anyway, um, so as you know, I'm Jewish. And so anytime we were mentioned, we mention anything remotely Jewish, I ring the bell, but I <laughs> might do it. For, I might do it for Palestinian today. Okay. I, so I the bell kind of gives me a small seizure, yeah. but not the type that I can't drive after. Oh, good. Oh, good. No, only playing with you. <laughs> all right. So, first of all, you're hilarious, but you're also so incredibly inspiring in this way that is so humble and Thank so you. no bullshit. You know, like when you go to Soul Cycle and they're like, oh, you probably don't go to Soul Cycle. No. <laughs> No, the chick with permanent disability called Terrible Probably has not gotten to Soul Cycle, but I think it would be a good comedy bit. And if we ever survive the <laughs> pandemic, I'm going. I'll just flop quietly next to the side. Yeah, of that's the hilarious. Um, <laughs> but you, there's not even a moment to feel sorry for you because not only do you not allow it, but there's nothing about you that exudes disability, unable, you know, just that word in itself, disability. I feel like it, you are the antithesis of disability. I think that that is important in and of itself because I don't want to be the antithesis of disability. I want to help redefine it because right. I think I don't, you know, I don't, fit what people think of when they think of disabled, because what they think of is a negative. And I right. don't necessarily think of disability as a negative. And I say that because I don't want disabled kids to think it is, but really it's a pain in the ass and it's super exhausting. Yeah, it really so is like a negative. I like to pretend it's like not right. that bad. <laughs> but it's like, we all have our shit and yes, a lot of our shit is inside that no one can see outwardly. But the word, the word disabled is a negative word. And I feel like the fact that you want to, you are redefining it because first of all, we have, you you know, let everyone know you have cerebral palsy, mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of people say cerebral palsy, which is the correct version for everyone out there. CP. Okay, so it's CP, like yeah. when I used to buy the CP Shades jacket in the 80s. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and I'm from Cliffside Park, New Jersey. So right. my disability and my town have the same initials. I already have like a bunch <laughs> of like CP sweatshirts, so it makes it right. easier. Oh, that's perfect. But so, I really do CP because whenever I have to type it out, I'm like, wait, how do I spell cerebral? And people screw up palsy and right. add an E. So just CP is the e easiest. Can I just tell you something? I've never told anyone this. When I was in acting school, I one of my assignments is we had to, uh, I had to have cerebral palsy, CP. Oh, no. And <laughs> oh, no. I spent the day at the CP, there's a place like a United Cerebral Palsy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I spent the day there 
with all these people. And it was so amazing because, you know, people don't realize they see someone, uh, you know, having spasms or not being able to, to, or shaking. And they don't realize that their brain is just like yours. It's doing the same thing. You know, it's just their body isn't, isn't, you know, connected in, is it's connected in a different way. And so that's what I learned. Like these, they were like, you know, people like will say the most horrible things like the R word or you're stupid or, you know, but it's not that at all. It's not that at all. So, but there's also, there's a hierarchy of privilege in cerebral palsy. So like, and you know, I do the joke on stage in my case, I shake all the time. There are also people who are wheelchair users and there are also people who are nonverbal. And I think it's really important what you brought up about the impression of when you see someone physically struggling or what your perception of struggle interprets as the assumption is, well, they can't possibly be intelligent. They can't possibly be sexual. They can't possibly be justifiably angry. They're just happy snowflake angel babies that we should pray for and probably right, right, right. they euthanize. And, you know, because that's like the, the trope with disability. We right. either have to inspire people or we die to make their lives easier. Right, and, right. And I think it's so important for people to understand that just because you're nonverbal, it doesn't mean you're unintelligent. And to jump to like a totally different thing about that, the internet, which is always considered like dark and evil, I think it's like Star Wars. There's a dark side and a light side because the reality is a lot of my friends that were nonverbal who would never have the conversations they're having now on Twitter are. They're able to right, communicate right. in a way that they never were before because people don't have time for them to sit and type out a word or to speak right. and not understand what they're saying and need it repeated. So this really gives them a power that they didn't have before. Which is great. Cause I fucking hate social media. So, um, <laughs> you, so I hate Facebook, but I'm addicted heavily to Twitter, which I yes. know is the nice. I to, of you, know, you know why I think I'm more Twitter than Instagram is. And I think it's cause you're the same way. We're verbal people. Like we're, right. we, we write jokes, you know, and also we're not, I mean, I'm not disabled, but I'm not a lot. I've never been about, you know, I'm, I'm a different sized woman. I'm not the average, right. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very tall. I'm big. You know, it was never, I, I was never like, Oh, I'll look hot and sexy. I mean, I'm never going to fucking look hot and sexy. You know what I mean? But my words were the power. And I feel right. like that's why I love Twitter. So I love um, Twitter because I love a comedian named Mitch Hedberg. Uh, Twitter to me is just channeling my inner Mitch Hedberg. Right, right. How much can I get out in that one line? What is it that I just need to say? And so like when they doubled it from 140 characters to 280, I was like, you're ruining everything. Right, right. (laughs) I'm kind of glad they did. But anyway, (laughs) so you are the quadruple, you know, you you know, you're not only a woman comic, which is, you know, strike one. You're a woman of color, strike two. (laughs) Your uh, you have CP strike three. I'm already out at this point if it's baseball. Hey now, hey now, you're an uh, author. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm Muslim it, in America right now. Which oh, Muslim, is like not a pig I mean, name. I'm I mean, that shit. Ring it's the bell. Like, 
this is what I was thinking. If I was African-American, Muslim, Jew, all right, I'm a Jew, a gay, and a a woman. But if I was American Indian, that'd be good. Yeah, see, mine is I need to add one of the letters of the LGBTQ. Oh, right, you can't, sorry. I'm missing one. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen. I don't know if I am or not, because I was raised in a conservative Muslim family, so I okay. don't know this if Okay, this is I'm... how you know. Are okay, you tell me. to a woman? I'm attracted to, like, everyone. Do you want to touch their, do you want to, like, suck on their boobs and... No. Okay, <laughs> done. No. All right. Yeah. Okay. I suck a dick either, I do, because it's a job. Uh, all right, <laughs> you you weren't like, no, with, if I said, would you suck a dick, you'd be like, yeah. But, Adam, but you, like if I had to pick between the two, I don't think I prefer either. Okay, that would be asexual. And no, but I like the other things that are done. Okay, <laughs> okay. So, hey, mom, thanks for having the conversation my mom never had with me. That was very helpful. You're welcome. <laughs> all right, so let's start at the very beginning. And and, and very first of good all, place to start. how are you dealing with this fucking bullshit? I have never gone this long without doing a set. It's so fucking weird. So the thing I keep saying, like my ongoing virtual joke is I'm Tinkerbell and I die without applause. I simply die without applause. So like the first shock to the system was on March 1st, I was informed that all my shows were canceled until June 4th. Right. I was like, you know what, whatever. I'm an old school New York comic. I'll just go do sets in the, in the clubs. Right. Get back on the road. Then they shut down New York city. And I was like, okay, so I have no income. I have no applause. I have no outlet for like whatever it is I have to get out. And I'm dealing with three different things. One, I'm dealing with the fact that this is the first time in 20 years I haven't done live comedy in like over three days. I'm constantly, constantly touring, constantly. But second of all, I have no income. So I've turned into like basically a glorified hooker because I'm doing like cameo where you can pay me a thing. Yes, 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 I do that. Where you can pay $2 and I'll text you. Patreon where I do live streams. Wait, there's another one where you can text? It's awesome. It's called subtext. People subscribe for a monthly thing and then they pay, for me, they pay two bucks and they can text me and then I text them back and they never get my phone number. I have like I got to do that. I got to do that. I'll send you the link when we're done. Okay. It's been interesting, like doing all these hustles. And it's also been the word that you used, which is humbling. Right. I went from being a baller to being like, I made $369 in tips on Zoom last night. (laughs) So like that, that for me is hard. And it's also terrifying because I think of stand-up comedy, like, you know, being a dancer or being like a weightlifter that like, if I'm not doing sets constantly, is my set just going to freeze? And like not wanting to do pandemic comedy, but it's the only thing that I'm coming up with. So that's been stressful. But as a disabled person, I'm just like a mess because I can't wash my own hair. So like, I've been trying to wash my own hair. It's not very successful. Right. I get dipped in a vat of wax from my nose to my toes every two weeks. So now I basically look like Frida Kahlo. So you're hairy and you're, but you know what? 
But I don't have to dye roots like everyone does. Oh, fuck you. The other thing is, Maysoon, is no one's washing their fucking hair. So I wouldn't worry about the goddamn hair. And I haven't shaved my armpits in a month. And I realized after not shaving my armpits for a month that I don't even have any hair under there because nothing's grown back. So I've been wasting, because I'm old. All right. Yeah, see, my problem is I've been getting my eyebrows threaded since I was 14. Rumor oh, has it. Don't even! But they're not supposed to grow back. And instead, like I said, love child of Bert and Frida Kahlo right now. <laughs> hey, everyone. Did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast Growing Trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but fast growing trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces, but I live in an apartment and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew. The space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very, very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. You need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code Judy Gold, J U D Y G O L D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code Judy Gold at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code Judy Gold. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. Before we get to your, the, one of the, I think it was, was it the most watched TED Talk in 2014? Yeah. Before we even get to that. And, and when you are done with this podcast, you cannot stop the podcast and go watch the TED Talk because then I'll fucking kill you. But (laughs) um, I've watched it several times. Wow. Thanks. It's incredible. It's incredible. Um, so you grew up in Cliffside Park. You are four four daughters? Yeah, I'm the youngest of four you're, girls. So you're the youngest of four girls. And the reason you have CP is not because there was anything wrong with you, is that the doctor was a fucking piece of shit who fucked up. Right. So, so meanwhile, you have three older sisters. You're Muslim. Are you the only Muslims? I think you're the only Muslims in. We were the only Muslims in Cliffside. Cliffside yeah, Park. it was an Italian Catholic, Irish Catholic town. Um, ours was, I was in Clark and ours was Jewish and Italian Catholic. Nice. You know, so same. 
But um, what did the doctor, he cut your mother or he? Yeah, so I was born on Labor Day and he had delivered my three. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to do that because it was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. So he had delivered my three older sisters and apparently they had just slid out. So he came to the hospital to deliver, to deliver me drunk as a skunk. That's what I was going to say. I bet he was like drinking and like, uh, oh, she's the slider, you know? Yeah, no, that's exactly how I imagine it, even though I was on the other side of skin at that time. Right. But you could smell it while I was coming out. It was pungent. And uh, Uh, so anyway, I decided to be a like true Palestinian. Ring the bell. So I came out fist first and he panicked. Because if you come out fist first, then the rest of you is stuck because you have shoulders and stuff like that. Right, right, right. So he had to do a C-section. He makes the first cut. First cut gives me oxygen so that I'm no longer dependent on my mom. (gasps) And then, and then he smothers me in her body while he's struggling to get me out. So So he did the cut and then like he suffocated you. He cut her six times total. But the first cut, cut me off from my other source of, of oxygen. So if he had cut another way, would that have not happened? Yeah. If he had done the C-section correctly, I would have been fine. But instead he cut the first time, couldn't get me out and cut her six additional times before he could get me out. In the time that he was butchering her, I lost oxygen, which damaged the part of my brain that controls coordination. So when people are like, were you brain damaged? I'm like, yep. Are are you angry? Yeah, I'm not supposed to be. So let me give you the two answers. When I'm speaking to groups where I'm trying to inspire disabled youth, I say, you know what? I'm not angry. I would choose no other life than the life I live right now. I wouldn't have become a comedian. I'd probably be married to one of my cousins having inbred children. Um, so being, you know, having CP right. made me who I am today. But since this podcast is just between you and I, because nobody listens to podcasts, of course I'm fucking angry. I wake up every single day shaking. I live in a country where being disabled is incredibly, incredibly expensive. And my entire life is catching up and compensating. So like as someone who's an actor, I'm constantly having to teach people. How do you make sets accessible? What does representation look like? As a you know kid growing up, I was really lucky. I was never bullied. I was never made fun of. There's a whole generation of disabled kids that are bullied and right, aren't made fun right. of. It's not a great life, but do would I rather be dead than disabled? No. Am I looking for a cure every day? No, I'm looking for accessibility. I'm looking for rights, you know. You're looking for how to live. But do you think about that doctor and you want to fucking punch his fucking, like, I mean. I, I stopped thinking about him when I was 26 years old. Up until I was 26 years old, I was determined to meet him and tell him, I live a great life and I want you to know that you didn't ruin it. And then something happened and I was just like, Fuck him! I don't ever want to meet him, and I yeah, hope that you don't he want him goes to control. To, yeah, I hope he goes to sleep every single night regretting it. Because beginning, middle, and end, 
he changed the entire course of my existence. And while I live a very happy, successful life, I also have chronic pain. I'm literally in pain every single day because he needed to do jello shots. I hate him. What about your mother? Did she ever confront him or your father? Well, we sued his pants off. And it was really interesting because back in the day, it was hard to sue people. And the reason that we won was because he was so obviously, obviously, that even the nurses were on our side. I can't believe the nurse didn't. Well, they couldn't. It was a different time. It was was such such a a different different time. time. My dad wasn't in there because he would have punched his lights out. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? But they didn't let dads in there at the time. Right. And and I was very, very lucky because when I was diagnosed with cerebral palsy, I was referred to a doctor in New York City at Mount Sinai Hospital called Dr. Aaron. And I ended up with an amazing neurologist. Amazing. Amazing. And I have a lot of friends with cerebral palsy that were just butchered because the parents tried so hard to fix them that they were constantly in surgeries and constantly having their hamstrings cut and their spines cut and drugged within an inch of their life. And I was really, really lucky. And that's so lucky. Yeah. I'm so, so lucky, except for the whole, you know, Jersey (laughs) thing. I hear you. I hear you. So- your parents are from Ramallah? Yeah, we're from a small village outside Ramallah called Dead Wan. So like if Ramallah is New York City, Dead Wan is Fort Lee. Like okay. right out. <laughs> and you, but you were born here, but you visited there. You, you spent yeah. a lot of time. Okay. A lot. Um, how old is your eldest sister? Like what are the eight, what's, there's four. So there's eight years between me and my oldest sister. And then five two, 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 and two, or no? No, it's it's four, ten months, and three. So you were a mistake. No, I was not. My parents were desperate for a boy. They were keep trying until they had a boy, but because you know, Doctor Drunky chopped her up, she couldn't have kids after me. Fuck him! I fucking hate him. You fucking (laughs) Um, are you ready? Are you ready for the name? You're gonna love it, Doctor. White. <laughs> Is white. he alive? No. No. I fucking hate him. Yeah. A white man did this to me. <laughs> Asshole. I hate him. So they knew immediately. No, they knew around the first milestones, like around like six months. And uh, your father, who was a salesman, correct? Yes. What did he sell? So my dad was a traveling salesman who sold bedspreads and electronics to migrant workers from Haiti from a green Scooby-Doo van. Okay. That is a fucking television show. I know. I ever heard it. That is so fucking great. Are we going to talk about how my television show burned to the ground? Uh, Yeah, we'll do that later. Um, Yeah. Um, he created his own credit system because the migrants couldn't, didn't have credit cards. So he created his own credit system for them. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and your mother stayed home? No, my mother's chief of lab at Jersey City Medical Center. Oh, yeah. Did I write that down? Uh, probably. Okay. So my mom got married at 19. She had four children by the time she was 27. And like... A week after she had me, she went to school. 
And then by the time she was probably like 33 or something, she started working and she's, she was chief of lab at Josie city medical center for wow. years. Yeah. Good. And she's in the hospital right now during all of this at 73. She's working. One- yeah. God bless yeah. her. Thank Let's you. all have a shout out to Maysoon's mom. We love you and thank you. Thank you. So your father, it seems the more I read about you, you, you kind of focus on that your parents were not going to treat you as a, as a disabled person, but your father especially, you know, would do things that, you know, it, that, you know, like he taught you how to walk by putting your feet on top of his feet yeah. and, and have, I'm just walking. Right. Yeah. Also, I read that because you couldn't afford PT, he would do other things like give you piano lessons or dance Dancing lessons. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And the story of him waving money in front of me so I would chase it is true also. So no, I, he might be a little Jewish. <laughs> we're all sexy Semites. We're from I know, Israel. right? No, what I, was I they think- danced real slow in Jackson? That's Arizona. But just a quick note on my dad. I really do think he was legend. And when I sit and try to justify the life I have and not have any anger towards the disability, it's because I think he's such a good example for other parents because he made the choice to dedicate a lot of his time to me. So one of the things he would do was we would wake up before school every day for two hours. He would do exercises with me. And like, if for some reason there was like an emergency, like my grandfather died and my dad was in Palestine for two weeks, I'd have like jelly legs because there was no one to exercise. And so he also was an Arab Muslim father who treated his daughters like gold. Like everyone was like, aren't you sad you don't have sons? And he was like, look at my daughter. So like my sister is an ambassador. I mean, yeah, I'm a comedian. And like he raised his daughters to be powerhouses, extremely confident, you know, fearless. And I think that's not what you think of when you hear an Arab stereotype. So I think a legend. Oh, I fucking love him. I love him. Yeah. Um I Sloan Jackson. So I go to Arizona State University and remember when we were talking about minority status. I got in because of affirmative action. So I basically paid nothing. They almost paid me to go there. Right. And the admissions officer, when she called to tell me I got in, said we had always looked for a black lesbian in a wheelchair and then we found you. <laughs> and so, I'm at Arizona And State. then did she come on to you right after that? No. Arizona was very straight. When oh, I, I know. My brother lives there. And I was like the brown where's Waldo. It was all white kids and one brown shaky woman. And it's oh. like, if you could find me, you got a prize. But my senior year, they did a show called They Dance Real Sloan Jackson about a girl with cerebral palsy. Oh, I don't, don't tell. I can't tell that story yet. Oh, you asked about it. I know. I put it in the wrong section, but... All right, we'll talk about it, but... (laughs) No, we can come back to it. All right, but just, it's so amazing. (laughs) Okay. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. 
Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. So before we get to college, like, okay, so I'm from New Jersey. I know what it's like to go into school. In New- it's clicky. It's like, there's, it's, it's literally like the burnouts, the cool people, the jocks, the smart people who are also jocks, the smart people who are nerds, the music people. I mean, it was, it was so fucking clicky. I got bullied the minute I walked into school. It was Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Sasquatch. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm tall. Um, And here you are. And, and you, you mentioned you already mentioned it that no one bullied you. No. <laughs> why do you think that is? That's number one. Number two is: Did you ever see anyone get bullied and stick up for them? Uh-huh. And three: Were your sisters there to support? Like, what do you think that? How do you think you got through this without? Okay. That? So I've had the same best friend since I was five years old. There's eight of us, and we're still best friends. And I'm forced to Zoom with them now because of the right being locked up. So I asked them, I said, why did you never bully me? And they said my mom, their moms would have slapped the teeth out of them. So it was a different generation. And I, and I understand that you were bullied, so it can't just be generational. But in Cliffside Park, in Italian Catholic households, you weren't allowed to make fun of the little disabled girl. You had to be friends with her. You had to invite her to wherever you went. I was included in everything and everyone was amazing to me. Also, I don't know what it was, but the performer was there from the beginning. And so I was student council president. I was editor of my yearbook. I was a straight A student. And I was also one of the floaters. So I had friends that were cheerleaders. I had friends that were nerds. I had friends that were burnouts. And I was friends with Kim Seidel. And when you ask about the girl, I think about this girl literally every single day. There was a girl named Kim Seidel. And people bullied her. Was she Jewish? I don't think so. I have no way of knowing. Okay. But Kim um, was, every single person was mean to her. No one would ever sit with her at lunch. And I would go sit next to her all the time. My God, I love you. I don't know why though. Like no one told me to. I don't know why. Because you're fucking, you have a soul and a heart and you're smart. And, and so I always think of her and think like, was it because I was never bullied that I needed to make sure that no one else was? But I don't think I knew that I was supposed to be targeted for bullying until I got... Why was Kim Seidel bullied? I shouldn't have said her last name. Um, she was bullied because she didn't have parents who took great care of her Fuck when she arrived. Fuck no kids. So... Have you looked her up? Do you know where she is? I've been searching for her nonstop. All right. Every single day I'm on Facebook, I'm like, Kim Seidel, can I find Kim Seidel? Uh, We want to find, this is a Kim Seidel finding finding mission. But I did make one mistake and everybody has their one mistake. What? When I was a senior in high school, I ripped up a girl named Kristen Kasperitz's yearbook photo and she'll never have a yearbook photo because of me. How come? Because we didn't like her and it was horrible. And it was wrong 
And it's the biggest regret. What's her name? Her name is Kristen Kasperwitz. And I wrote a book called Find Another Dream. She is not Jewish. I know her name sounds it. No, Kristen is not Jewish. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Apparently, I was thinking of the Kasperwitz. Yeah, yeah. The whole Christina thing. Yeah. I wrote a book, and in the book, I apologize to her for it. It's it's literally my biggest regret. Did you ever hear from her again? She's nice to me on Facebook, but we haven't ever personally. Oh, that's so. It's so funny because it's like you feel guilty, but I always feel like if I met my bullies, they would be like, "I didn't do that," or you know. He was the only person I ever did anything fucked up to in my life. Right. Ever. And so I think that's why it haunts me. Like, I'm the chick that would never hook up with her friend's boyfriends. I'm not like, right. I'm that steals a joke from someone. I'm just, you know, I'm a first do no harm type of person. That being said, I'm from Jersey. And I swear to God, if you cross me, I'll destroy you. Right, right. And never forget it. I'm very Nancy Pelosi. You don't even know I fucking cut you. love her. What happened? Yeah. So... You're go. You basically have a great, idyllic sort of uh, New Jersey close family, straight A's. What extracurricular activities were you involved in? Dance, and I'm still a dancer. I tap danced and was like, didn't you tap dance at Carnegie Hall? I tap danced at Carnegie Hall. I've tap danced on Broadway. I made sure to write tap into every series. I fucking ever love it. I love, love tap dancing. I have a great picture of me tap dancing with Glennon and Doyle and Abby Wambach cheering me. It's oh. my favorite shot on Broadway doing. When in the before time, we used to do these things called live shows and I was doing one. <laughs> um, so I tap danced and of course I was, like I said, I was student council president, but like extremely intense in leadership activities. So I'm a counselor at a leadership training camp. Um, I played piano. Um, I love, you. I didn't, I didn't play any, any sports and I'm going to tell you a story that's true and you're not going to believe it and think it's just comedy, but I'm not messing with you. The only sport I've ever played was dodgeball and I'm excellent at it. Cause nobody wants to take out the disabled That is the most cruel fucking. All right. Yeah, but think about it. If you were on the opposite team as me, how bad would you feel if you took me out with a dodgeball? Forget (laughs) it. That's why you're good at it. She's not Um, moving. It's like, that doesn't count. Just let Uh, her win. (laughs) So you get a scholarship to ASU. Uh Were your parents worried that, you know, you were going to be so far away? Yes. The entire thing was a bad idea. I can't believe they let me go. But the reasoning for letting me go was amazing. So Arab girls, we're, we're only allowed to leave our house in a wedding dress or a casket. And, and I don't mean that in an honor killing way because there's no honor in killing. I mean, like as an old person. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. But my parents let me go to Arizona because the campus itself was literally flat. Think of New England campuses with all the granite paths and these hills. And right. then you also have to deal with weather on the East Coast. So right. I got into Columbia. I got into NYU. NYU was really my dream school. But through discussions, we realized that living in Arizona in the dry heat, in the dry heat and with the flat campus was going to be the healthiest, best way for me. Right. 
And then we made financial decisions that a lot of people didn't. You know, if I had gone to Columbia, even though I had a scholarship, back in the day, it was going to be $45,000. Oh, plus the housing and then getting, and and the public transportation. commuting and and all that. I graduated college with $24,000 in my pocket because they used to have stipends and stuff. Right. You know what I mean? So the decision was really what's going to be easiest for her to do. But none of my, like the idea of going away was totally foreign. And I have said this repeatedly. It was the worst decision I ever made in my life. And I'd much rather be still in debt and had stayed in Jersey than gone to Arizona. Okay, well, that's great. Now, let's go. (laughs) So you go to Arizona, you are in an English class, and the professor asks you if you can read, and you're on an academic scholarship. But extremely loudly. And you're on an academic (laughs) scholarship. So in front of the whole class, she said. She said at the top of her lungs, can you read? And what did you say? And can I punch her? Fuck. There's so many people I have to fucking beat the shit out of. There's so many people. And this fucking cunty uh, professor. What did you say? I said, yes, I can. That's how I got in your class. (laughs) And And what did she say? But that was also literally the first moment of my life that I realized my disability was a big deal. Because again, I grew up in a small town. Teachers knew me. Teachers knew and me. you couldn't go home and, and say, can, "Can you believe this happened?" Oh, well, so I tried you- to go home. I begged my mother to let me come back in Thanksgiving, and she said, "No, I would have to live in a van down by the river if I didn't finish the entire four years." And I just wanted right. to transfer. I just wanted to transfer. And right. She was like, "No." So that's the first thing that happens. Did me. you Second confront thing- her? Who? The teacher after that. No, I did not. What'd you get in her class? Hey. Fuck her. And not only that, it was like I was handing in papers weeks early just to make a point. Instead of confronting her, I was like, I'm the best student. I'm going to show you how best I am. Yeah. And then you decided to major in theater. Mm -hmm. What, What year was that? That was, I, nobody knows my age. That was in the late No, 90s. no, no, no. Right. Was that, was oh, that freshman, sophomore? Like you went in wanting to be an English major or? No, huh? I went in wanting to be a dance major. Okay. I was a dance major the first semester. I go in, here's another person for you to punch. I go in the middle of the first semester, register for my next round of classes. And the dance counselor says to me, let's be realistic. You can't do this. Instead, you need to do a dance history degree. At the time, I'm a teenager. I don't know how to fight for myself. And I'm like, okay, I guess I can't be a dancer, which clearly I could have been because I've danced on Broadway and no right. one else in my class did. But um, <laughs> so I get, I become a dance history major. And the nightmare that so many people still have happens to me in real life. I become a dance history major. One of the classes I have to take is theater history. It's called Theater 110. The acting class is called Theater 101. I accidentally go to the acting class instead of the theater class. I don't find out I'm in the wrong class until I get a failure notice for the class I haven't shown up to. And I go to the theater department. I tell them what happened. And I tell them that I love the acting class. And now I want to be an actor. 
and they allow me to switch majors my second semester freshman year. I become a theater major right then and there. So they do a play. It's called They Dance Real Slow in Jackson. Mm -hmm. And the main character in the play is a girl who has CP. Yeah. And you're like, oh. This is my moment. Right. It's like if someone said to me, we, um, you know, there was, they were casting like a tall Jewish lesbian named Judy. (laughs) Has a big mouth, curly hair, uh, and is really sarcastic. And then they give it to Mary, not Jewish, five foot two. They give it to Tommy Laren. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't get you, but you were convinced for how long that you, that this was a show in. As soon as I heard the play had been announced. So just preface this by I'm getting A's in all my theater classes and I'm in the hard classes. Like theater has like rank and there were the teachers you had to audition for. If you right, were crappy, right, right. you got a crappy teacher. I had the guy who started Circle Rep Theater in New York. I'm getting A's in all his classes. I'm right. crying in every Meisner session. Right. I go to audition. I don't even need to check the board. It's my role. And I didn't know that I didn't get it from looking at the, okay, so the board for people now in right, the modern then day. Right, they, they'll put it yeah. on so everyone when can see. When you used to audition, yeah. they would hang up who got cast and you would go and you would check. I didn't even need to check the board. Instead, people came running to me to tell me that I didn't get it. They're like, you're not going to believe this. You didn't get it. I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> Did you confront that person? Yes. Yes. And? Yes. So, again, a true story that shouldn't be true, but is. But it's so fucking great. My dorm was adjacent to the theater building. And the dorm was like a cheap motel. You had outdoor balconies outside of each room. So I climbed over my balcony into the window of the theater department because I wanted to make a dramatic entrance. If I had fallen, I would have died immediately. <laughs> immediately. Now remember, oh my God. I, You're disabled. <laughs> I basically just flung myself into the theater department. And I went into her office and I will never forget this. I looked at her and I said, can you explain to me how I didn't get a part that I was literally born to play and she said you can't do the stunts and I said if I can't do the stunts neither can the fucking character and she told me to get out of her office and that if I didn't she would have me removed from the whole program and I did the next day the theater kids threw an entire protest because they're dramatic awesome love to you know protest and stuff like that they still didn't give give me the part but as a consolation prize, they gave me the part of Frida Kahlo in the upcoming semester. Oh. She was also disabled. Right. I'm sure somewhere a disabled Latino girl was crying behind right. her around her. Right. So, so that was the consolation prize. But that was absolutely, without a doubt, the beginning of all the work that I still do to this day of trying to mainstream disability in media. You know, it's amazing because you remember all the shit people tell you, like, no, 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 no. And, you know, your father, 
you know, the quote of your father, you can do it. You can do it. Yes, you can. Yeah. can. It's just like that mantra is, it's so powerful. But I remember I auditioned for uh, graduate school for uh, Bill Esper. And he, oh, wow. he told me, you're very talented. You have perfect comedic timing. But how do you expect me to cast you? You're too tall. Wow. And I told my mother and she was like, you'll show him. You'll, you <laughs> will show him. Yeah, he, who the hell says that? I am, I am, you'll prove him. And, you know, she never forgot it. But it's true. And it was like, you know, you're too this, you're too that, you're too everything. It's so fucking annoying. They used to say to me, your body will hold, your body holds you back and it's holding back the rest of the cast. Fuck <laughs> you, you fucking. Thank you so much for listening. She, isn't she fucking great? Make sure to tune in next week for part two. If you like the show, which how can you not, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps more people to find this amazing show. And five stars is the only review you're allowed to leave. Also, if you like my opinions, which I happen to have many of, and I think if you're listening, you probably do. My new book, Yes, I Can Say That. That's right. The one I've been talking about. Yes, I can say that. When they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. It's now available for pre-order and it'll be released July 28th. It's an equal parts thoughtful and hilarious polemic on the current efforts to censor comedians, arguing that they undermine the art and purpose of comedy itself. Censors, that is. So it would mean so much to me if you would check it out. I got a really good review at Publishers Weekly. And I think you'll really love it and you'll learn a lot. You can get links to pre-order my book on the homepage of judygold.com. That's J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. And as always, make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram for all upcoming virtual dates at Judy Gold at J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D. You know, like Jew Gold. And uh, be well, be safe. I'm thinking of you. And as we always say, so long! Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, or, just kill me. Oh. Don't forget to turn uh, for part two on Just Kill Me. No, it's not. It's <laughs> just, just kill me. Now. No, Judy Gold's Just Kill Me. Just kill me now. Just kill me now. <laughs>